This episode is brought to you by Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Trello help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com, A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. Spring is here, and you can now get almost anything you need for your sunny days delivered with Uber Eats. What do we mean by almost? Well, you can't get a well-groomed lawn delivered, but you can get a chicken parmesan delivered. A cabana? That's a no. But a banana? That's a yes. A nice tan? Sorry. Nope. But a box fan? Happily, yes. A day of sunshine? No. A box of fine wines? Yes. Uber Eats can definitely get you that. Get almost, almost anything delivered with Uber Eats. Order now. Alcohol in select markets. Product availability may vary by region. See app for details. Fantasy Footballers DFS and Betting Podcast with your hosts, Kyle Borgannoni and Matthew Betts. Welcome in. Friday, August 4th on the Fantasy Footballers DFS and Betting Podcast. I'm your host, Kyle Borgannoni, and I am joined, as always, by Matthew DFS Sicko Betts. You know, I'm very proud of that nickname. That's one that I will embrace. And actually, today, I, I woke up and was scrolling on Twitter, checking if there's any news, and actually saw someone added me to a list on Twitter, or, or X or whatever we're calling it these days, added me to the list, and it was called Fantasy Football Sickos. So I feel very seen. Uh, I feel slightly judged, but I'm also extremely proud to be on that list with other uh, really good analyst. So, so I guess I am a sicko. And let's be honest, man. What you're referring to is the fact that I spent company hours trying to look at some maybe early values for week one DFS. And uh, and yes, it's barely August. So I am a sicko six weeks in advance. Can you imagine not analyzing DraftKings pricing six weeks early, Kyle? I, I literally, I, I couldn't. It could, could not be me. Couldn't be me either. And I know that it's a great conversation right now, especially with, you know, with Monica, I'm, sh- I'm sure your spouse is like, oh yeah, why are you a sicko? And why are you looking at something that won't show up for, you know, six more weeks? She loves that stuff. Oh, absolutely. It's like the, um, the meme of the couple, I think it's like at a baseball game and, uh, assume a boyfriend, girlfriend, he's got his arm around her, like talking really close. He's got these super cool sunglasses on and it's super funny to be like, what is he telling her? And that's definitely me at dinner. Like, Hey honey, did you see Debo Samuel's price in week one? He is primed for a bounce back season and Brock Purdy looks healthy. Like this is, this is a good play. <laughs> it's a great meme. They're also Astro. It's at an Astros game. Astros so game. Right, right. Nothing, nothing better than piling on Astros people. Cause it's, Anyway, uh, on this episode, we will kind of talk about week one salaries, kind of dip our toes in the water. Bet's put out an article on the site if you want to look at that early, way too early look at DraftKings salaries. But the main part of this show is we're getting to talk to Warren Sharp. You'll get to hear that interview coming up about some futures and win totals bets. We'll talk about some of our most polarizing teams for 2023. Earlier on uh, in the summer, you got to hear us give our win totals takes our strongest ones. In the DFS pass, we also have given uh, some season-long props. So I think that conversation will be really helpful to kind of solidify. And last year, our two of our biggest bets that we had uh, and won was Cardinals under and Vikings to win the division. And I feel like that was something that we felt on our own. And then when we coupled that with Warren's analysis, it felt like a smash for both of us. So uh, excited for that interview. If you want to follow us, you can follow bets at the Fantasy PT on Twitter. I'm at Kyle underscore Borg. We will start releasing more and more DFS strategy, uh, DFS content as we get into August. Uh, We have some upcoming episodes to talk about cash strategy, GPP strategy, DFS goals, which is one of my favorite episodes to kind of prep people like, hey, let's remember how this goes, how to have a mindset that DFS is tough and that you need to think about it for the long haul. So you can get all of that in the Ultimate Draft Kit Plus, ultimatedraftkit.com is where all of our DFS past content lives. But I wanted to quickly, before we get into Warren's interview, discuss the 
week one DraftKings salaries. I happen to be online bets right when those came out, which, you know, I'm not logged off, right? I'm always Never. on. You're literally always logged on. I don't think I've ever seen you log off in your entire <laughs> life. <laughs> I just happened to be on when they released, and I was like, okay, it's happening. You know, the Michael Scott, it's happening gift. And I went through the salaries, got to, you know, sort them, uh, conditionally format them, post them out really quickly. And I said, hey, I have zero thoughts on this. I'm just posting it, and I'll look at it this weekend. And I've looked at it a little bit. But the main place that I looked at is your article that's on the site. So let's quickly talk about some names that stand out. And guys, we're going to talk about this ad nauseum. Okay, we're going to have so many articles. Uh, we're going to have so, so many podcasts just on this first week that really we, we might over-engineer the first week. Like that's the, the, the danger of salaries coming out six weeks early as opposed to, hey, they come out on Tuesdays and we get to look at them there. But uh, bets. So... Give me a couple players that stand out for week one. Yeah, it's super fun to do this process, uh, but this is not advice, so no one should be setting lines right now. <laughs> and and Kyle probably already reserved his uh, his five dollar double. I made a up. cash line. Up. Oh, a hundred percent, you did. Absolute sick stuff. Um, but right now it feels like the quote unquote cash wide receiver that feels like maybe a good GPP fade is going to be Elijah Moore, who is thirty eight hundred dollars against Cincy, and this parlays into the off-season hype that happens like remember on underdog he started in the 100s and adp screaming up to a point where i'm a little worried that maybe he's overvalued at this point but people are hyped about him they're very excited we're excited about what deshaun watson could be you know with this browns offense if they open it up he's 3800 bucks like that already feels like a cash game sort of play that you're like okay 25 percent feels like maybe a good fade yep. in tournaments but the price really stuck out to me what what stuck out to you so one, I, I do like Elijah Moore, and we'll talk about the Browns. I mean, that's a polarizing team, but I liked him a lot in best ball. Um, the Niners, I think, are the screaming, like, we have to talk about this, that the 49ers wide receivers, I don't know what DraftKings is doing, and I make the joke a lot, but somebody at DraftKings, I don't want them to be fired. I just want them to be reprimanded. Like, I want them to be, be put in a room for a day. And just have to think about what they did and their decisions because it is quite egregious that we have Debo Samuel at 5,500 and Brandon Ayuk at 4.9K. Like, they are so cheap for players that we can project for volume in a really efficient offense, what we think or what it's been. But I also just love the matchup. Like, to not go too far in the weeds, but like the Steelers play a ton of zone coverage, a ton of zone coverage. And Debo Samuel is a zone destroyer. His targets per route run versus zone coverage the last three years, 28%, 27%, 26%. So Debo Samuel, I mean, I hate saying it this early, but like I might say it again in a, like a month and a half. Like He seems like one of the easiest plays on the slate. Yeah, it's, it's, it's really silly because not only that, but you just compare, you know, we talked a lot about this last year. Like I wanted to be lower on Debo just insanely outlier efficient the year prior and it's like okay well, that's not going to happen and we saw that but now it feels like things are kind of imbalanced and he's going to come back up where it's like okay i want i want to buy back in this year and i mean hey man it doesn't hurt that he's in the best shape of his life i don't know if you've seen that kyle send him the shirtless picks to to his head coach i mean come on got to to your coach you got to uh but just for reference last year entering week one he was 7400 now he's 5500 so it just kind of tells you like something is one of those two is wrong and i think this is wrong Yes. There's also a lot of cheap quarterbacks that will be tempting for people. I know Sam Howell is going to be one that you can easily write a narrative. He's 4,900, plays at home. They're six-point favorites against the Cardinals. So he he ran last year in his one start for 35 yards and a score. So that's cool. Like I, I, I get the appeal of that. And what you need him to do, we often talk about in cash, like you need somebody to 3X on, you know, so if Sam Howell gives you 15 to 20 points you would be very happy in cash there's no way i'm playing this guy in a gpp it's just it i think that there's other games that one we would say could go off and the stacking partners in those games just feel clearer so that's my early take on sam howell i think he'll be popular jordan love desmond ritter there's some cheap dudes jordan love you think jordan love is gonna be popular 
No, I'm just saying there's cheap guys. Oh, oh. All right. <laughs> okay. No, 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 no. I was like, wait, why? <laughs> but yeah, man, the price is, is funny with, with Sam Hallen. Uh, to get a sense of kind of how the market might be feeling about him at that price. I mean, assuming he is guaranteed to start week one, we really don't even know that yet. But uh, our Discord was like, Sam Howe against the Cardinals? 49? Yeah, all right. I mean, so, so I do think he could be potentially popular. But of course, we'll have the roster percentage report to give us that information and go from there. But I'm going to save this clip, Kyle, because I can already feel it. You made this take, you know, in early August. I can feel it like four or five days out from, from week one. I can see you being like, look, no. man, Sam Howell, double stack with Terry and Jahan Dotson. Like, it's it's a good price. I, I'm telling you right now, listeners, like, it is going to happen. And I hope that you forget this conversation happened so that you actually do that down the line. So I'm saving that one. Gosh, that's I one. I can see myself do that because that's what I, mean. I know me and I can see myself like on like coming around to it because, I, you know, I have I have some strong convictions but I'm also willing to like change my mind. Like, okay, well, I could see the case for this side. And then, yeah, it gets like a week out, a couple days. Like, hey, man, I might be playing this in a GPP. But I, he's going to be like, he's going to be popular, right? I think just because of the price. And I mean, we all, we all think the Cardinals are going to be terrible. Um, they have minimal talent on the defensive side of the ball. I think that th- those two things will make him somewhat popular for a quarterback. Yeah. Yeah, narratives for week one start to carry over because people start to turn their attention after their fantasy drafts into, okay, well, let's look at week one. Week one, Let's actually see what's going to happen. And yeah, the Cardinals are going to be a laughing stock. I think in general, we've kind of been against them for a while. But in DFS, that just sounds like an easy fade to me. Marcus Callaway, you know, man, like he's tearing up preseason. And then all of a sudden, so there, there's a lot of different narratives. There's lots of games preview all those things. So you can get all the strategy, uh, our week one articles for DraftKings, for FanDuel, some tournament articles, and our new optimizer, which uh, Betts and I have gotten to play around with. We'll have a tutorial video out for you guys in the DFS pass, and you can start playing around soon with week one salary stacking options. Um, This is a robust optimizer this year, and I'm just excited for people to play around with it. I feel like they're for a while, people are like, I think this thing should just spit out a winning lineup for me. It's like, no, you got to actually learn what it does and tweak uh, tweak the settings. And and so we have that for you guys this year. It's upgraded. We're really excited to bring that. Um, any last thoughts on the DFS pass and optimizer bets? Yeah, I mean, the optimizer, I'm, I'm very excited about it. And, you know, we heard, we heard from the folks, like the optimizer that was in there the past couple of years. It wasn't great. I mean, we can be honest about that. So we heard you guys, we upgraded it, and I think it is going to be very helpful uh, this year. So if you haven't checked it out, you know, it'll be out very soon. You can play around with it. Like Kyle said, get familiar. So you're really ready to rock when we get into the regular season. You get the cadence, you know, you know what buttons to click, et cetera, et cetera. So it's it's good, man. I'm excited. I played around with it the other day, um, but very, very excited. This just gets me hyped for, for NFL season. So if you haven't gotten the DFS pass yet as part of the UDK Plus, make sure to get up in there. All right. Let's get in our interview with Warren Sharp. You talking to me? The Fantasy Footballers DFS and Betting Podcast is, uh, we're proud to have an interview on the show. It's Warren Sharp of Sharp Football Analysis, the 2023 football preview that our entire company uh, reads nonstop all the time. We talk about it in the office. Uh, Warren, thanks for coming on the podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. I really respect your company. I think you guys do a great job and certainly happy to talk a little bit about the book with you guys and uh, and and talk about a few teams here. So you you finished. I mean, the labor of love for you is like May, you know, April, May, June, just like you are shut up uh, writing this thing, researching, and then you get to take a little time at the beach. So have you kind of refreshed yourself just a little little bit as we go into like training camp? I have, you know, I'm, I'm kind of a workaholic. So when I'm there, I'm always like thinking it's, it's unhealthy, but I'm thinking about like what I could be doing or what I, what I might want to tweet or, or what I might want to like write about when I get back. But absolutely, um, feeling good, feeling excited about this upcoming season. I do feel like I have a good, um, kind of knowledge base because of all the work that I put in to write this book about the upcoming season. And I think that's part of the reason why some of our futures historically have done pretty well is because 
I'm spending so much time writing this book and trying to dig into all of these teams and talking to some of the coaches and just getting a better understanding as to what they're going to do this season and what then I can project for them. Um, but I'm always, I mean, one of the best days of the year is just being done with the book and, and like sharing it with people because then I get to do fun shows like this one. Um, I get to talk about some of the big takeaways that I uncovered and it's definitely like a different vibe and different flow. And the fun part is like now other people can get the book in their hands and start preparing for the upcoming season and, and they're doing the studying. Um, and I feel like I'm, I'm giving them a little bit of an edge to, to doing that. So, um, yeah, I mean, if, if you're interested, you can find a copy of the book. Just we created a neat little URL. It's just called sharp.football. And you can just go and, and get your copy of the book there. And um, by the way, I should get a couple hard copies over to you guys. Um, we'll, we'll sync up afterwards, maybe one for you guys to share, one for one for the rest of the guys in your office. Uh, but we are giving away some hard copies. I'm going to do a, a several giveaways every single week through August uh, to get some hard copies in people's hands. But the book that we're selling is a PDF. Yeah. And it is, I mean, it's a monster. <laughs> like, like you need to take time off work to finish reading this. Like, it's been incredible. It's been so much fun. And the information in there is insane. But one thing that uh, Kyle and I have talked with our listeners about, you know, is, is trying to find a process to whether it's playing uh, DFS, whether it's betting, you know, preparing for their fantasy drafts, whatever it is. Uh, can you talk about kind of your process and what goes into the book, uh, you don't have to go into full detail, obviously that would take forever, but kind of the process of, of where you start what information you choose to include or uh, kind of your your path to get to where it is in the end? So I start with what the team was last year. And I love the Mike, uh, Bill Parcellsism, you are what your record says you are. Because in betting, we know that's completely untrue. But a lot of people still do believe that. They think if a team went to the playoffs last year, they were a good team. They think if a team missed the playoffs, they weren't a good team. Um, and so I really try to dig into and understand what was this team last year? Why did they have a record the way that they finished? Uh, what were they doing strongly, poorly? Uh, you know, and you can't, when you're in the season handicapping on a week to week basis, as you guys know, like you're trying to understand those types of things, but it's hard to get all the full context when the season is over and you zoom out a little bit, you're able to do that. Um, uh, and then the big thing is then after you understand what happened last year, it's trying to, layer in what has changed this off season that will impact the upcoming year. So the first thing that changes is coaching changes. Then you've got free agency. Then you've got the draft. Then you've got the schedule release, which helps determine rest edges and things of that nature. Um, and so every kind of like tent pole that comes along throughout the NFL off season, it should be changing your perspective a little bit on these teams. And so I always approach when I'm when I'm writing about these teams, I take the stats from, and this is something anybody could do. Actually, if you have last year's book, 2023 football preview and this year's book, I'm always comparing, like when I start what the stats look like, I, I print out like some uh, test sheets without any written content on it, just all the stats. And I compare those stats from last year to the year before what changed with this team? Where were they improved? Where were they weaker? I look at those stats side by side, try to get an understanding of the team from a statistical perspective, go back and watch some of their film. I then get this understanding as to what changed for them this offseason. And that really helps predict what I think is going to happen this year. But beyond all of that, because this is a betting podcast, then comes in the other layer, which is what are the lines on these games? What did they set for, you know, weeks two through 18? What are the futures? Because you could be high on a team, but the rest of the betting market is also high on them. And so there's no real value there. So you could study them and think that they're going to be better. But if there's not as much value to be had, you're like, I like this team, but there's no value there. So next team, like, where can we find some value on this board? Um, and it's a fun process, but it's obviously very time consuming. And you have to devote a lot of your off season to it. But it really puts you in a great position, not only to have success in the futures market, but also to be prepared for this first you know, month of the season uh, and be in better position. There's so much overreaction that happens after week one into week two that you're better prepared to deal with that and spot some of those inconsistencies on those adjustments if you have a firmer understanding as to what this team really is so that you can pinpoint 
uh, over or under performance that's not going to replicate into week two. Our listeners, I just want you to know, just uh, they benefit so much from just some of the terminology you talked about. Like net rest is something when we do our previews for win totals, like people get to hear that and we get to reference like, hey, this is what we get to see on the actual schedule when it's easy, I think, for fans to say, oh, this is a 10 win team. It's like, hey, let's let's actually adjust. Let's see how this team is. And so I would say our our listeners have benefited a ton. And it was great when Betts and I went through the schedule last year, 2022, and kind of had our own takes, you know, where we kind of gelled. And then when the preview came out, if we were able to smash. And so our, our strongest take last year was probably one of your strongest, which was the Cardinals under. And that just felt so good. I mean, it felt way better knowing like, oh, this is wrapped up by like what week 11 or whatever, but <laughs> it's pretty early. Uh, <laughs> it was, it felt good. It felt really good. And Andy, Mike and Jason are Cardinals fans. So it kind of felt good dunking on our, the owners of <laughs> our right. company, but <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I just want to say we, we've really been fortunate. So sharp football analysis or sharp dot football. If you want to get the book, we are going to talk today about the most polarizing teams. We brought up some teams and even one that uh, I'm excited for Warren to bring up at the end uh, just for 2023. And we've kind of gone back and forth of seeing the case of how this team could hit their over of their win total, how they could hit the under, and then just some unknowns. So we're going to first start with the Baltimore Ravens that Betts and I have often coined as our Ravens because in tons of different markets, they're undervalued. Lamar Jackson, someone we've talked about a lot. I know Warren, you I mean, I feel like your your Twitter account is like a very pro, like we're going to tweet out about Lamar and people are going to come out of the woodworks to disagree. But the biggest question we have is just about Todd Monken. I'm from Georgia, so I've seen a lot of Georgia football, uh, him as the OC. And I think people have looked at what he did in Tampa Bay and say, that was cool. That was fun. That didn't translate to actual success on the football field per se, but we're also like the intersection of fantasy where I don't care. I want pace. I want, you know, volume. I want scrambles. I want all those things. So what is your take of just how this offense is going to look under Todd Monken where, you know, 12 personnel was just what they have done forever and their tight end saw 44% of the targets last year. So how is this offense going to look differently in 2023? I, I think it's actually going to be a pleasant surprise for the Ravens success in that one of the things that the Ravens did so good in 2019, besides Lamar's performance, was that they did something really differently and they did it really well. And they pivoted to it a little bit late 2018 when Lamar first took over, but they really leaned into it in a very unique manner in 2019. That's Lamar's 50 and 0 MVP season. Uh, that's when I was, you know, really pounding the table. Like, I think Lamar is going to have a solid year if they let him pass a little bit this year. Uh, and, we that that's part of the reason why my account feels more pro Lamar is because there are so many consistent doubters out there, and I have to constantly remind them of the truth as to what Lamar, how this team wins games when Lamar is out there, and what Lamar is actually doing in the NFL. And there's just so many people that don't like him. He's like one of the most uh, hot button quarterbacks out there. But in terms of what this offense is going to do differently, I really feel like under Greg Roman. When I said that they do something differently and do it well, that was great in 2019, worked a little bit in 2020, but started to get stale. Like it wasn't, it was no longer was really different because everybody could expect it. You know, in 2021 and 2022, not all of the problem was on Greg Roman because the front office was not getting Lamar any weapons at all. They had the, the wide receiving core was terrible. That's why you saw this 44% targets to tight ends. That's why you see such a high run rate. But Greg Roman just got so stale and predictable in situational football as well as in game planning. Like you understood what this team was going to present to you. So you had time to prepare for it. Um, they had the number one most run heavy rate in the first half of games over the last four years, and they were the number three slowest paced team. So you, you know that you weren't going to get a lot of volume there. You weren't going to get a lot of passing there. Um, and I just felt like they didn't have the talent any longer to kind of really to catch teams off guard and the scheme was stale. Now you bring in Todd Monkin. This team is going to be leaning in a totally different direction. And for that reason alone, it's going to be something that's different than what they've done before. And for that reason alone, I think that it's going to catch more teams off guard this upcoming season. Um, you know, you mentioned 
They used 11 personnel on just 12% of their offensive plays last year. The NFL average of 11 personnel is 61%. Uh, looking back to the last 10 years, I'm quoting from the book now, personnel grouping data. There's not another team that was less than 20% 11 personnel. The Ravens were 12%. So the lowest in the last uh, decade. This team is going to have more passing. They're going to pass the ball closer to the goal line. I think they're going to spread the field more. And we've had some internal debates slash discussions about whether or not, you know, the Ravens are going to be successful and Lamar is going to throw the football as much as people are expecting him to. And talking about, well, the wide receiver core, you know, Rashad Bateman, what is he actually going to do? Is he still banged up a little bit? Is Odell over the hill? And uh, are we really high as we should be on Zay Flowers or are we overhyping him? And then the reality is like when that point of view and perspective was shared, I was like, even if his number one is Mark Andrews and Zay isn't as good as uh, dubbed and, and Odell is a little bit over the hill, it's still going to be the best wide receiving core that Lamar has worked with in years. You know, like even if everything you say is true from a negative perspective, it's going to be the best core that he's worked with. So I'm expecting as are most people, higher volume, higher passing, more 11 personnel, and more Lamar Jackson touchdowns through the air. Maybe it's going to get to the opportunity for them to lighten up the box counts because they aren't trotting out so much 12 personnel. And if they lighten up the box count some, it might allow Lamar more opportunities to throw the ball uh, to, to drop back and then utilize quarterback scrambles, which are the number one best play in the NFL. The design runs that Lamar has in this offense are great and they're productive and it helps him from a rushing perspective. And I know that's one of the skeleton keys and, uh, you know, all, all the guys talk about the Konami code now that Rich Rebar is talking about with the rushing quarterbacks. However, the real way that you get quarterback efficiency on the ground, the best way is on the design pass plays where there's a run lane that's open. And if so, if Lamar's pass rate is higher and they're spreading the field a little bit more and the box counts are lighter, I truly expect that he'll have more opportunities to take off and scramble when there's open run lanes. And these aren't runs that are going to get like six, seven, eight yards. These are runs that are going to get like eight, nine, 10, 15 yards. Like they are explosive runs and they average more yards Across the league, a quarterback scramble averages more yards than a quarterback pass attempt. So these types of plays, now they can utilize them a little bit more frequently. Lamar will be able to pivot to those. I just think, you know, if you think, oh, well, his rushing might go down because they might not call as many designed runs, that could be true. Less designed runs, more quarterback scrambles, in my opinion, these are going to be more efficient. I think he's a great bet in fantasy. I think he's a great bet from a you know, props perspective over his passing touchdowns, et cetera. I think uh, he's he's in for a big year. You can't predict injuries. Yes, he has gotten injured. The team always wins games when he's out there. And they're always like in first, second, third place in the AFC to the end of the year before he goes down with an injury. I mean, cross their fingers, hope that it doesn't repeat itself. You can choose to bet that he's going to get injured again and, and not buy any Lamar. Uh, I'm not going to be in that camp. I'm going to hope that this year is a little bit different. And I still think even if he might miss a game or two, that he can exceed some of his props that are out there right now. Yeah, this is music to our ears. <laughs> Absolutely. Because I mean, from like a, a you know fantasy perspective, you know, he kind of goes as, as like tier two quarterback. It's like behind, uh, you know, Mahomes and Josh Allen and Jalen Hurts, who you can't really poke holes in. Like they're incredible but their opportunity costs, like we talk about in drafts, is higher. You can get Lamar a full round or two later, and I think he's a good bet to lead the league at, you know, as QB1 in fantasy if we get the passing upgrade and we get those scrambles like you talked about to help offset maybe less designed runs. But yeah, when you were talking about uh, the talent, like you said with these guys, Inze, OBJ, and Bateman, like they were trotting out Sammy Watkins, Demarcus Robinson, James Prochets of the world, and no disrespect to those guys, but... That's very different, right? And Devin, so, Devin, Duner, Devin Duvernay was their leading target in the end zone last year. Their overall leading target was Demarcus Robinson. That's crazy. Like, I mean, we, we are talking about people that aren't anywhere close to where that should be in the NFL right now. And the other thing that's interesting to note, what we've heard the last couple of days, is still this continued refrain, this like slow and steady drumbeat that John, Har John Harbaugh 
does not know what the hell is going on with J.K. Dobbins. And, you know, I don't know that that's true, that he doesn't know what's going on. But like I read just last night that um, uh, Melvin Gordon signed to the Ravens and didn't even know that J.K. Dobbins was, quote unquote, holding in. Like he didn't even know what the situation was there. But J.K. Dobbins is out there, but he's not practicing at all. And if your number one running back is not taking reps and is not practicing, like, do we think that we're going to call? more runs than Greg Roman was down near the goal line this upcoming year with like that stable of running backs. And even if JK Dobbins is kind of a big question mark, no, I think we're going to call more more passes. And so I think that's even more reason to be backing Lamar. The longer this whole JK Dobbins thing goes on, which I I don't know what the ending is there. I don't, I don't have a uh, uh, crystal ball to predict that, but it's it's certainly a weird situation. Yeah, no doubt about it. And like you said, just following the moves, the personnel moves, and the J.K. Dobbins injury holding makes a ton of sense. We actually were on uh, about a month ago, maybe, Kyle, maybe a month and a half. We found just like, you know, perusing some like long shot odds. We're like, oh, Lamar Jackson to lead the NFL in pass touchdowns was like 75 to 1 price next to C.J. Stroud Baker. and Brock Purdy and Baker Mayfield. And we were like, that's that seems wrong. <laughs> Let's jump on that. So so we got that. I think that move maybe to like 50 to 1 or something like that. But I think it's still a good bet based off those odds on what you're saying so let's stick uh, in the division let's talk about a team that i feel like people are kind of stuck on and people are, are saying this team you know they always have a winning record they never lose they're always on the cusp of the playoffs but i struggle to see the ceiling with the steelers so talk to me about uh, what's going on in pittsburgh yeah they were a team i didn't love this bet but i i kind of felt like it was a it was a good bet to make and that's just that the steelers are going to miss the playoffs this year and it's in part because of who the Steelers are. And then it's in part because uh, of what the rest of that division and the overall conference is this year. I just feel like a lot of these other teams have taken steps to becoming better in more meaningful ways than the Steelers have. The Steelers step to becoming better is this year is primarily the hope that Kenny Pickett takes that year to leap that we see a lot of quarterbacks take. Uh, but other than that, you know, he is still handcuffed to his offense coordinator, Matt Canada. And it's always so fun, but also so challenging when we're, when I'm typing up, you know, here's quarterback rankings for this random metric. And I tweet out a, a, a list of different quarterback rankings. Uh, quarterbacks are so closely tied to their offensive coordinator. It's hard to separate the two. And so if your offense coordinator is terrible, lacks vision, lacks creativity or understanding, then you know, your quarterback is going to be held back from that. Like, like it or not, that's just inevitable. Um, and if your coordinator is creative and can incorporate things that more modern offenses are incorporating and has success in doing that, he's an elevator. Your quarterback is going to look better. And that's why it's so impressive, you know, all of the things that Andy Reid consistently does with his quarterbacks. Like, he'll make life easy for Patrick Mahomes. I say this a lot, but like if Andy Reid wanted to, he could have Patrick Mahomes on 45 to 50% of his plays, jump in the phone booth, put on the Superman cape and go out there and try to become Superman on the field. But he tries to reserve that to only like 10% of the time. Like Mahomes will still make crazy plays that only Mahomes can make, but that's not the consistent backbone of their offense. That's just when they need it, it's ready. But mainly Andy Reid's trying to make this offense efficient while making life easy on Patrick Mahomes. I don't really feel like Matt Canada understands how to do that uh, with the Steelers. They have a very talented receiving core. Uh, they're, they're, look at the ta- pure talent of their receivers. If Deontay Johnson could actually catch a pass, which would be crazy, but um, some of the statistics looking at him are just out of this world, unbelievable. Like I think he, I forget how many targets he had in the end zone last year and, and zero catches, but it was absurd. Uh, it's fun seeing the highlights when when you're looking at some of their spectacular catches that their receiving core is making this offseason. But this is a team still, in my opinion, that struggles along the offensive line. It's going to struggle to get solid run blocking for their backs, struggles to actually run the ball when the most opportune times to run the ball are. And then last year, the thing that scares me the most was I looked back at Kenny Pickett and I compared him to the last 64 first round quarterbacks that were drafted that had at least 200 attempts their rookie year. 
and Kenny Pickett on third down over the second half of the season was a top five quarterback out of those 64. His EPA per attempt on third down passes and his success rate, I mean, they were out of this world positive. And that is not something, in my opinion, even if he takes a step forward this year in terms of his overall passing ability and knowledge of the offense, that he's going to replicate that third down uh, performance. It's just not something that's able to be replicated. It massively helped them down the stretch win a bunch of those games. If you look at what this team was over the first like two-thirds of the season, they weren't good. They had a bad record. And then they went on a run late in the year in large part because of the opponents that they played who weren't very good and because they were outstanding on third downs. And I don't think that's going to be uh carry over year over year. I also worry about their lack of explosiveness. I mean, this team had seven offensive touchdowns last year of plays of 10 plus yards, seven touchdowns on plays of 10 plus yards, the lowest total in the NFL. When Kenny Pickett tried to throw the ball 10 plus yards down the field, he ranked dead last in yards per attempt, dead last in first down passing rate, second to worst in success rate, third to worst in EPA per attempted completion rate. Now, I know part of that was Deontay Johnson, but Deontay Johnson is still there. So it just, it just struggled. I struggle to say what has really changed that this team is going to now suddenly become that much better this upcoming season. Um, because I don't expect them to go on a late season run. I don't, it, except based on the schedule. I don't expect like Kenny Pickett to all of a sudden become Superman on third down. I don't know that they're going to be massively better on their explosive playability because what did they really add that's going to allow them to do that? Uh, they still have the same office coordinator. Then you look at the teams around the league. Like we're going to talk momentarily, I think, about Deshaun Watson. He's not going to be as bad as he was last year. That's a big improvement for the Cleveland Browns. We just talked about the Baltimore Ravens adding a new offense coordinator and new wide receivers. These are things that are new that weren't there last year that's going to elevate those teams. Look at some of the things that like the LA Chargers did or some of the other positions that some of the other teams that are going to be in contention in the AFC added this offseason. I just think that we're not seeing the same thing out of the Steelers. and I think they might struggle a little bit. Yeah, one of the things that we've talked about a lot is that the Steelers can be undervalued in fantasy markets, but then when you look at a futures bet, you know, this team was seven and five in one score games, but you know, they won seven games after that week nine bye where they just kind of went on the run. And then something you bring up in the book that I just think a lot of times people don't realize, like this was the healthiest team in the league. Like yeah. in terms of just injury luck. So year to year, and that's football outsiders that does that every year, games lost due to injury, we bring that up all the time. It's like it, it, there's a, just a couple of factors and also the fact like, yes, Mike Tomlin, I think we would say he's a good coach. I think that he, you know, elevates a team that probably was like, I don't know, six or seven wins to get to nine last year, but they haven't won a playoff game in a while. So it's like, it's not like these teams have been good to be able to make some noise in a really crowded conference. So I, I look at their win total. I, I look at eight and a half and I go, that's a good line. Like that, that's I kind of where I stay. So you're saying you like better, like no to make the playoffs. Yeah, I, because I'm worried. I agree with you. I think eight and a half is a very solid number and maybe they can get to nine wins. And I know like last year teams that were getting to nine wins because of the seven playoffs team were making the playoffs. But I just think in general, this AFC, we're going to see teams that you might have to get 10 wins to make the playoffs in the AFC. I don't know if that's actually going to happen, but I think the Steelers are probably going to struggle to, uh, make it to the playoffs. I agree with everything that you said. I think late season, Mike Tomlin's going to get these guys to play. They love Mike Tomlin. They're going to get uh, psyched up to play for Tomlin and finish the season strong. But I just think that that might not be enough with all the other detriments uh, that they have on this roster this year. And, and I'm absolutely worried. It's a great point you brought up, Kyle, about the fact that this team was so healthy last year. And that's unlikely to repeat again year over year. And if it's along the offensive line and there's not as much depth, like it could be somewhat catastrophic. It's easy to predict, you know, well, if a team loses their starting left tackle or their starting quarterback, they're going to be bad. So that's nothing new. We're not suggesting that that would be the reason that the Steelers would be bad, but it's unlikely that they'll be number one in health again this year. Let's take a quick break and we'll get right back. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. 
Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Free samples, free shipping, and our 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step and into your home too. Shop Blinds.com now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off at Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. You mentioned the Browns. We're going to stay in the AFC North. And we've, we went, mentioned this in the divisional preview like early in May. Like this was a tougher division than people realized. Like everybody went three and three in their division last year. Even though, you know, you look at the Bengals and think they were just the class of the division. Like it was, it's a tough division. It gets cold. It's kind of just like this is, this is a tough division. So the biggest story with the Browns is looking at what Deshaun Watson did over the last six games and kind of asking the question, how can this offense please be different? Not only just in terms of plays per game and pace, just pure points. Like we need, need points. They're projected right now for nine and a half wins. So I guess I want to know is this offense, can it be more pass happy than what we've seen in the past where it's like people are very excited about Nick Chubb because he's an awesome, fun player to, to watch. Shout out University of Georgia. But it, can this offense like sustain drives through the passing game and with Deshaun Watson in 2023? Yeah, I that's the biggest question I think that I have. One of the biggest questions of the entire NFL is just what is Deshaun Watson going to look like? I don't think he's going to look like what he did last year, but how close is he going to be? If if last year was, let's pretend, just throwing out numbers, if last year was like he was 25% of his peak back in 2019-2020, this year are we going to get 30%? 40%, 60%. I don't think we're going to get 100%. Are we going to get 90%? Where are we in terms of how quote unquote back is Deshaun Watson this upcoming season? Um, I think it's going to impact Kevin Stefanski's job completely if this team struggles and he can't get anything out of this quarterback that they gave so much guaranteed money for. Kevin Stefanski's last year in Cleveland is 2023. Um, but it's hard to because there's so much just speculation and projection. I mean, I, I I think Watson's behavior was abhorrent. Like you're not going to catch me saying anything really positive about anything that he was doing last year. I was definitely or in the past, I was definitely critical of him. But if I'm also trying to project this upcoming season and what we're going to get out of Deshaun Watson, it's impossible for me not to say that. There had to been a lot of distractions and, and, and struggles mentally for him last season, trotting out on the football field in preseason and trying to manage this offense with all the offseason distractions that he had leading into the year with the Browns signing him. What had to have been like a ton of difficulty for him. And then he's out for the entire season. I'm sure he's probably watching things on film those first 10 weeks, that 10 games that he's out just looking at things and studying and the Browns, meanwhile, they're trying to get their starting quarterback ready for these games. And so Watts is probably, Oh, I could do that differently. I could do like thinking that he's better than what he really is. Then he gets out there on the field and all of a sudden the game speed is so much different than what he was expecting it to be. And his performance ended up struggling massively. So like, I'm not giving him passes for that. And I think he should have been better prepared than what he was clearly last year. That's some on him, mostly on him, some on the coaching staff, I'm sure. But if you look at, you know, when we study year to year change, I was tweeting out a thread last uh, yesterday about all of Deshaun Watson's longest pass attempts last year. <laughs> he threw nine passes that were like 21 plus yards. Every single one of them was either incomplete or an interception. And I tweeted out some numbers that followed up. He had the NFL's worst performance on passes over 20 yards last year that we saw last season. And I looked at, I think it was like 604 quarterbacks since 2005 have thrown the ball at least 150 times or whatever. And 
His was second to worst out of those 600 plus quarterbacks. His was second to worst. Only Mike Glennon had a season that was worse than what Deshaun Watson <laughs> had Glennon. last year, throwing the football <laughs> down the field. So that's something that obviously was embarrassing and looks funny on tape now. And we can point at, but do we actually think that's going to happen again this year to that degree? Probably not. Like deep passes are going to regress a little bit. Second thing that's going to regress out of three in my opinion, he completed only eight passes that he threw into the end zone. That was by far the worst in the end zone, uh, worst in the NFL. Eight pass, eight percent of his passes thrown into the end zone were completions. That will regress this year. It's inevitable. It cannot continue again. And then the third thing is on third down, another really high leverage situation. High leverage is deep passes. High leverage is down in in the red zone, throwing stuff into the end zone and high leverages on third down. He had the second worst completion rate on third down out of any quarterback. So I think these things are going to regress in their favor, which means that the Browns are going to be better this year and Watson is going to perform better this year. I have massive questions, though, about what this offense is actually going to look like. I wrote a lot in the book, and I want to dig into all the details here about how they actually made a surprisingly big mistake with their usage of 12 personnel, letting Austin Hooper go, not really replacing him, expecting that they were going to get production out of Harrison Bryant, who they drafted, and Harrison Bryant was terrible. They therefore couldn't use a lot of 12 personnel last year. When they tried to use it, Nick Chubb couldn't run the ball, and Nick Chubb really wasn't very efficient running the football out of 11 personnel last season. Uh, He was much better running out of 12 personnel, but they couldn't do it as much. They didn't get any new production from, sorry, they didn't really sign any new tight ends this year with the exception of, uh, what's his name? His name is escaping my mind Uh, Uh, from from Houston, Jordan Akins, who I don't think is going to be that difference maker. I expect them to use a lot more 11 personnel. And as a result, like they're going to have to figure out how to get production out of uh, their run game from 11 personnel. So. It sounds surprising because like Nick Chubb, in my opinion, is like one of the most talented runners in the NFL. I'm sure that they're going to be able to figure this out, but they weren't having success doing it last year. So it's something that they're going to have to work more on. I love the move to bring in Elijah Moore, but there's naturally questions about like, why wasn't he productive? I think the biggest reason is just point your finger at Zach Wilson. But other than that, I, I mean, this team has a lot of questions this year. And the only thing I can say is this. They have by far the most expensive roster in the offensive roster in the NFL. They they are up at the top in offensive line spending, in receiver spending, obviously in quarterback spending, in running back spending. They have the third highest overall cash that they are spending on their total roster in general. If they can't get elevation out of Deshaun Watson this year, because remember, Watson restructured his contract is taking much uh, less money against the cap this year, and they pushed it all till next year. So like the next three years, his cap hits are ridiculous, even worse than they were before. This is the year. If they cannot figure out a way to win this year, then Stefanski should be gone, in my opinion. And this team is going to have some serious problems on their hand with a new coach coming in, knowing that we're paying that much for Deshaun Watson from a cap perspective. It's not going to be pretty. So For their sake, although I don't like root for them, I don't actually root for the Ravens. I just root for efficient football. But for their sake, they better have a good year this year. Kevin Stefanski better be on top of this stuff. They've got too good of a roster not to be. I think their roster is better than the Steelers. I just wonder about their coaching from the top down and if they're going to be able to elevate this team. But certainly I believe this is like they're fighting for that third place spot with the Pittsburgh Steelers. And I think from a talent perspective, they should be better than the Steelers. But I worry about the coaching and whether or not Deshaun Watson is truly ready uh, to be 80% of what he was back when he was at his prime. Yeah, that was a really good comprehensive breakdown, I think. And thinking about the market, like, you know, they're valued at nine and a half wins. So like people are assuming Deshaun Watson will return to that. It's already baked in. And in fantasy circles, like... I mean, Nick Chubb is obviously an incredible pick in the first couple rounds, but Deshaun Watson's a top 10 drafted quarterback. David Njoku is a top 10 drafted tight end. Uh, obviously, Amari Cooper, Elijah Moore is screaming up draft boards. So, like, people are in uh, on the Browns. And, like you said, the money is there for it to work, but it does feel like a make or break year for them. And I just want to, before we move on to our last team, 
give a shout out to Mike Lennon, <laughs> a friend of the show, Mike Lennon. Uh, Warren, this is a, an inside joke with our listeners because there was a DFS slate maybe, what, two years ago, Kyle? Three years this ago was when like Mike Lennon was still, years ago. <laughs> still in the time. league. And Kyle was like, man, I don't know. He's 4,500 on DraftKings. Like, <laughs> it could work. And actually now in our arts of our, our podcast, we have a giraffe as, a, as an ode to Mike Lennon. So it's incredible that you brought him up. But let's move on. Last team we're going to talk about, Kyle's Falcons. Kyle made us talk about the no. Falcons, of course. Uh, no. We actually, before we recorded, listeners, uh, Warren was kind of saying he has some good stuff on Atlanta. So I'm excited to hear more about the Falcons. Yeah, to, to be clear, like I was the one pounding the drum for let's talk about the Atlanta Falcons. So, uh, and that's because I'm actually buying the Falcons. Uh, you know, I know Kyle... Uh, Look has at his smile. Abilities. He's just so happy. <laughs> I, I mean, he has some, I understand uh, the way that like fans work and some fans team just never wins. And so inevitably you have a, a, a negative perspective heading into the season. You're very apprehensive. You just don't know if it's going to happen for you. And, you know, for some teams, it's like teams that are really successful, like the Buffalo Bills. I, I live near somebody who's a Buffalo Bills fan. It's like every single year, like I have my hopes up and then it just doesn't work out. Other people, like I work with a lot of, for some reason, I don't know why, because I don't live anywhere near Ohio, but uh, I work with a lot of Browns fans and the Browns fans are the opposite end of the spectrum, uh, where they, they always know that like their team is going to just struggle and they're just very frustrated with it so i understand the falcons fans probably are just like are we ever gonna like get back to anything are we ever gonna win anything um i'm not projecting kyle super bowl this year okay but uh uh so don't get disappointed when we i don't, don't go do that well far. in super bowls we don't do well no. in those <laughs> let, let, let's but let's focus on the positives and that's that um this team was in, in so many games last year that made them the best team to tease in the nfl last season uh, in fact, over the last several seasons, they were the best teaser leg of any team. And that's because they either won or lost by within one score 15 of their 17 games last year. The only other teams that did that feat was the Kansas City Chiefs and the Buffalo Bills. So the Atlanta Falcons were very close in a lot of these games. In part, it was because they played this almost like four corner style of offense where they tried to run the ball a lot and control the clock and control the game and play a style that would increase variance in the end result. Fewer possessions will increase variance and they had the opportunity to, um, to, to stay close and maybe they could try to win some of these games and get a little bit lucky. Um, we know they only won seven games. But this was a team that was eating an insane amount of dead cap last year. Second most in the NFL, they had, I want to say it was like $85 million in dead cap. It was more dead cap than they spent on offensive roster. It was more dead cap than they spent on their defensive roster. It was an absurd amount of dead cap. And as a result of spending so much in dead cap, they couldn't spend on any of their players. So they had to get guys like Marcus Mariota in there and other players that we're not going to give them the ceiling. A lot of young players as well. And that is something that I think is going to change a little bit this year. You have year two with Ritter. And I know some of the highlights haven't been great at camp. But what I can say is it's going to be hard to be worse than Marcus Mariota was last season. There's two main aspects that you, Marcus Mariota really struggled in last year. And you might know this as a fan. His inaccuracy on deep balls was just off the charts absurd. Like he could not hit a deep ball to save his life. And as a result of that, the team had very little explosion and they also couldn't score points down the field. You know, they had to work the ball deeper into the red zone in order to score points. Um, I want to say they had only eight passing touchdowns of more than five yards, which was the lowest of any team in the NFL only eight of more than five yards. The second thing that he really struggled with was just passing the ball down inside of the red zone. This team was one of the worst red zone offenses last year. Now, Ritter didn't really improve that much. Ritter wasn't good inside the red zone, although a lot of first-year quarterbacks struggle down inside the red zone. I expect a big step there. I think Arthur Smith, the way that he designed red zone offense in Tennessee, now, yes, you had Derrick Henry there, so that was a big factor. But the way that he designed offenses in Tennessee and the success he got out of the passing game in Tennessee is something that should be able to translate a little bit to Atlanta this year. I do not expect them to be bottom five 
in terms of quarterback efficiency out of like 47 quarterbacks, Ritter and Mariota both were like 40th or worse. That's going to be vastly improved. Is it going to be top 10? I doubt it, but it's going to be vastly improved with these are going to score more points. And I think the explosiveness is going to be back and they're going to have some bigger plays that are going to result in scores as well. They spent a lot on defense this year, brought in a lot of free agents that you don't maybe aren't household names to a lot of different people out there who are casual, like maybe DFS fans or, you know, just fans in general of certain teams. And they just loosely look at the rest of the league. But these are guys that are solid players that I think will be able to contribute defensively. And one of the other biggest, most important factors here for the Atlanta Falcons that I think is going to hopefully for their sake improve is the fact that this team was so good at scoring on drives in the second half of games, but much worse at scoring on drives in the first half of games. And as a result, they only led at halftime in four games. And what they now realize is that when you are losing at halftime, the other offense can do whatever they want to do in the second half. They can run, they can pass. The whole playbook is open to them. It makes life much more difficult for your own defense. But if Atlanta comes up faster in the first half of games and takes leads a little bit more frequently, it will make life much easier for their defense in the second half of games. So I fully expect Atlanta to be a little bit more explosive and to come out a little bit faster in their games this year. I will bet like a large sum of money that they will be leading at halftime in more than four games this upcoming season. And as a result, it's going to make a defense that's even more talented this year look even better than what last year's defense did. Um, and so as a result, I'm bigger on the Atlanta Falcons. And I think the Ritter discussion is interesting because the way that he's priced in, in, in the marketplaces from like a props perspective is that he's not going to play the full season. I mean, bottom line, that's kind of how he's priced because I just don't see it reasonable that he has a yardage total as low as it is or a touchdown total as low as it is. Um, if, if he's the guy that they're going to lean into to try to get the most out of, and let's just put it this way, if they end up pivoting to Taylor Heineke, that means the season has gone off the rails. And it also means that, you know, Arthur Smith's job could be in jeopardy. And so for their sake, you know, Arthur Smith is going to do everything he can to make Desmond Ritter be the number one guy and be their starting quarterback the entire season so they don't have to pivot. And as a result, I just think it's inevitable. I mean, Mariota threw 15 touchdowns last year and he played, what, 13 games and he was not good in those games? Couldn't hit anything deep, was bad inside of the red zone, still threw 15 touchdowns. You know what Desmond Ritter's passing touchdowns prop right now is 14 and a half at some spots. So like, I, I just I just think all these props on Ritter are a little bit too low. Love it. Yeah, th- what's funny about the deep passing is Kyle actually, uh, just for Kyle Pitts, had the pleasure of watching every deep target <laughs> from Mariota to Pitts. And it's just, you can't la- or you can't watch it without laughing. Like it was incredibly bad. And wh- when you were talking about the Mariota stat with you know the passing touchdowns, like I just got done watching the Netflix show Quarterback and they were talking about, you know, game of the week, Marcus Mariota, like 13 of 15 for three touchdowns. It's like, man, open up a little bit for us here in, in fantasy. But uh, I like being high on the Falcons. The offensive line looks like they should be able to, to crush again in uh, running the football specifically. But if you do, listeners want to buy into Atlanta, I just found a uh, best price I could find for them to win the division. And I mean, you didn't even mention the schedule, Warren, just uh, easy, easiest uh, second right to the Saints. Yep. in the NFL, you can still get that at uh, plus 220 on MGM. Yeah, I, I just want to say this. Like, I know I have like some fan pessimism stuff, but their games, the, the way that they shorten games, you talked about it with variance, is their offense, uh, second longest, most average time possession, and their defense was on the field, you know, on average more than anyone else because they didn't spend. And so you get these weird games where they're super close and super, the tons of anxiety, but... They have six, you you have this in the book, and this is wild. They have six total touchdowns outside the red zone the last two years. So my final question is outside of Drake London, because I've looked at a ton, like teams that are bottom five and pass rate over expectation, their wide receiver one gets 95 targets a year. And I think you could look for London to get a little bit more than that. But outside of Drake London and Kyle Pitts, is there any other threat in the pass game? Or is it just like, I guess you're, it's Bijan and that's it? Because like... I. It's hard for me to look at a roster that feels super depleted if one of the top guys goes down. Yeah, I 
it is hard if one of those top guys goes down. We saw, I mean, Kyle Pitts and, and Ritter didn't even get a chance to work together last year because right. he was injured before Ritter even got there. Um, I would expect Bijan to be this uh, X factor in the passing game a little bit. Um, but you didn't mention Matt Collins, who I know he's a, a weird character. We were talking about on the pre-show and, you know, requests everybody eats with their hands or whatever he's doing. But um, he is a physical specimen. And if you can get both London and Pitts out there on the field together, then it will present some potential matchup advantages just from a size and physical skill perspective that Matt Collins might possess. You're still going to need an accurate enough pass from Ritter. You're still going to need some other factors to come into play there. But on a on a game-to-game basis, situationally, I could see buying into a little bit of uh, the fact that Matt Collins might be good for a touchdown in this matchup versus this DB. Um, but I think it's going to take a, a collective effort from this team to see success. Now, I don't expect this team to like pivot to like one of the most pass heavy offenses or anywhere close to that. I just think that some of these passes, A, I think they're probably going to pass the ball a little bit more than they did last year. They caught a lot of teams off with the running. And one of the things that they did, and this is why it's important for coaches to realize this, is that second move, especially after a season. We talked about Greg Roman not really possessing that. Here is Arthur Smith's chance to do that. Arthur Smith last year, they had the number one highest run rate on first downs. And as a result of that, they had, I think, the number one or number two highest rate of stacked boxes against them. And yet they still were able to run the ball efficiently against those stacked boxes, like one of the best NFL offenses running the football, despite all the stacked boxes. That creates a ton of one-on-one matchups in the passing game. If they want to then use play action and pass off of that. Last year, they passed on first down with play action at the highest rate of anybody utilizing play action on first downs. But maybe we see them shift from, let's throw out some numbers, 65% run. I'm, I'm just making this up to 60% run, still utilizing the same rate of play action, but now you're actually calling a few more pass plays in here that have higher upside to be explosive because they had the highest DPA per pass attempt on first down. They just didn't throw it much, but those passes were down the field and having some semblance of success. Now, not the explosive variety, like 20 plus yards through the air, but they were making a difference for this offense and it helped them. I think that this team is going to throw the ball a little bit more, but Mm -hmm. it's still going to need to get Solid performance in the run game, and Betsy mentioned it perfectly. This offensive line, it's really a benefit for them. It's a strong line. It's going to protect their quarterback. It's going to help put up holes, and I believe that their run game is a very unique one. I think the fact that they've got all these backs. I was down on them drafting Bijan. I don't know, Kyle, if you were yes. high or low. Same but- with you. Okay, so so I felt like he could have gone in a different direction there. Um, now that he's there, though, like I do expect – added efficiency offensively because of him. Like, could they have drafted a, a different player, different position and help their offense a little bit more? It's possible. But like, if they use Bijan in the passing game and they get a lot of mismatches, which Arthur Smith is, he's a really good tactician. Um, like the way that he thinks of the game and the way that he approaches the game and just how he thinks about things, he's not as much in the data like all of us, like you and I and a lot of the guys in the fantasy space or the betting space are, not as much into the strong usage of analytics, but the way he thinks about the game is in the same line, the same vein of understanding what works, what doesn't work, and how to get some of these mismatches. And so um, I hope for their sake, I hope for your sake, Kyle, that they improve, uh, I think, and I also hope for my own sake, because I've bet them in all those markets you mentioned, I bet they're over wins at eight over uh, for them to make the playoffs, for them to win the division. Long shot bets on those, a little bit smaller from a bankroll perspective. But nevertheless, I thought that they were good bets. I thought this team's a little bit undervalued. As I finished writing all 32 teams up like earlier this summer, I was like, I, I think the, the Falcons have a decent shot. And you mentioned the schedule. And, um, you know, I just think that they're ready this year to take that next step. Arthur Smith and this GM were put into a tough situation by Thomas Dimitrov. Uh, when they took over, they had some tough decisions to make. They had to eat a lot of dead cap. They're finally out of all of that. And so it's really a big, important season for this staff, in my opinion. Yeah. The, Matt Ryan was $41 million last year uh, to, to go play for someone else. <laughs> the last thing I'll say about our schedule, the Falcons' schedules, and this is in Warren's book. They're the only team without a single game with a rest advantage. And I saw that. I was like, why? Of all teams. 
anyway, uh, they got screwed. They've gotten screwed in the past as well, like last year and the year before. Uh, and and I could tell you, their staff is using that as as whatever motivation they can get out of it. You know, they're aware of it. They're aware that they have not gotten any breaks from a schedule perspective as it relates to getting rest. And they're using it as like a, it shouldn't be a large chip, but like a small chip. Hopefully they got some others that they can add to their shoulder. But like, it's something where it's like, the NFL doesn't really care about us. You know, the NFL thinks that we're some random team that they can just use to set up to let other good teams play us. And we'll just be that, you know, punching bag uh, on the other side of Rocky or something like that. And hopefully that uh, doesn't work out too well for them. That's going to do it for this conversation. Once again, uh, the 2023 football preview is is a monster. It's something our whole company loves uh, that Warren, the crew puts out. Also just shout out, you know, Rich Rebar is one of the true like fantasy industry goat people that when he starts talking, you get excited about football and his fantasy analysis is in there too. But any last words about the football preview, Warren? No, it's I'm trying to make it simple. Go to sharp.football and you can get your copy. There's plenty of time if you get it now to digest it before the start of the season. I think it's the fastest way for you to get smart this upcoming year. 32 team chapters. You'll be able to read through each one, bite-sized pieces, help get understandings to what we think is going to happen from a fantasy or betting perspective. Uh, and I think you'll really enjoy it. All right. Thanks for coming on. Thanks Thank for having you, me, guys. All right. That was a great interview with Warren Sharp of Sharp Football. And as we mentioned, guys, this this preview is something that Bets and I still refer to. Uh, so as you get some of our more of our futures bets and our prop bets, just keep that in mind. But Bets, any last things you want to say about the DFS pass as we get into August and what we're going to be adding to this thing? Yeah, man. Uh, incredible interview with Warren. That was fantastic. Super smart. Uh, check out his book. Make sure you're checking out the DFS pass as well. I feel like we're going to be making a few more bets <laughs> after that conversation. So if you want to be a part of those, you can get into uh, the DFS Pass, UDK Plus, and uh, and get in Discord. But yeah, man, this this was great. I think the D- DFS Pass this year, you know, player props, uh, understanding kind of team outlooks is going to go a long way. So make sure you're checking that out. Yeah, and don't forget about the Discord community. If you are part of jointhefoot.com, you can get access to everything. If you get the DFS pass, you get access to DFS pass or the DFS channel, props, and best ball. We have conversation going every single day in that channel. Bets, sign us off for a good weekend. Yes, sir. I'm excited about this weekend. It should be fun. Uh, nice weather. Maybe mowing the lawn, Kyle. I mean, what could be better than that? But listeners, enjoy. Hope you all have a great weekend. We'll catch you next Friday. Thank you for listening to another edition of the Fantasy Footballers DFS and Betting Podcast. Don't forget to visit us on the web at thefantasyfootballers.com.